Hello, hello, hello. It is Stu. It is the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And this is something I have not done in a in a while. I have not opened my book of business, meaning the gym owners and business owners I work with on a monthly recurring level in a hot minute because of COVID, because of my license model and urban movement stuff. Just really, really busy with that. But I have opened the book back up. For those of you guys who don't know, I only work with 40 micro gym owners and fitness business owners per month. That's it. It's the max that I do. I work with people. I literally month to month level, no contract. You get access to me for either 30 minutes once a month or one hour once a month. You get full access to micro gym university. You get a bat phone to me where you can text call, video message, whatever it is, audio message, and we can be in contact in between our calls. And that's how I go ahead and create custom tailored solutions to your business problems. So if you're looking to work with somebody where you're not stuck in some douchey fucking 12 month EFT contract, you have to give your banking information, you got to spend $6,000 up front, you literally want to get on a call, talk with me in real life, just me, where I just listen to you, talk to you, we talk about your problems, I come up with a solution, an executable plan, and then we tackle it together. And then in between that, you want Microgym University and be able to access me when you have you know, a fire go off in your business on a random Tuesday or some shit pops off late at night and you want my opinion on it, then shoot me a DM, let me know, because this is the first time I'm opening up to go back to 40 per month and it's going to fill up quick. Guys, we're going to get into the podcast here in a second, but just thank you for listening to the pre-roll. And I really do hope, like my goal is to work with as many of you guys in some capacity. If it's for one month, two months, fucking three years, I don't give a shit. But if you got some problems and you want someone to bounce ideas off of and help you create an executable plan of action, I hope that I'm your fucking guy. All right, on to the podcast. Alrighty guys, what is up? It is Stu. It is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And I have Dustin Howdeshell, which you are I the way I was referenced, I was telling someone about this podcast earlier today. I said, you know all the the Sydney shit I've been putting out from my interview with her? I'm like, this is the man behind the camera. This is the man behind the brand and a lot of the business idea, because you come with this analytical CPA background. Like and and Sid comes with this fitness. She can, you know, she can motivate people. She's great. She's got that pizzazz. She has like that X factor. And you combine the two together, and obviously, really cool things can happen if you're consistent as fuck with it. But the thing I was really, I said, like, this is a guy that could really undercut like the business side of growing something on YouTube, which again, when you throw a coin in that pond hoping it's going to come back. I mean, that's a, that's a big fucking pond, mm. you know? So I, I'm really interested to to talk with you a bit today. Uh, you're smart. You know, the numbers, like you could look at a business and analyze, this is a good venture. Good, not what was it about YouTube, which is it's, it's risky in one sense, not in another, but why were you so gung ho on that? Cause I, when I think of an analytical CPA type brain, typically I think you did look at YouTube and be like, yeah, I don't think so. Like that's not going to be, why was that? Why, why did that green light for you so well? To, to be honest, it was the only place I knew that we could have a competitive edge, um, for, for low, low cost entry. Um, I knew the value of our content and I knew the quality of it and I knew no one else was really doing it at the time, but the free advertising that YouTube gets you. And I knew with having Sid as my, my tool, sure. essentially, yeah. um, 
I knew that this was the only place we could go. Cause if, if we, well, we did, we made Royal change dot fit. We made our own program. We thought we were going to be billionaires, launched the program and like, I don't know, 150 people buy it. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> we got to advertise somewhere. Yeah. And advertising is very, uh, as you know, yeah, it's very expensive. So the way I looked at it was, you know, let's leverage all these websites or companies that have built an amazing platform that they want to see you succeed so they can succeed. Most importantly, you know, they're worried about themselves at the end of the day, but if you make good content, they're going to push it because it's going to do, it's going to make more uh, profit for them too. So how did you, but the, the creative side of it, like your setup and what you know, like how to, you know how to use a camera now as from an artistic standpoint and, and you know, you're, you're, you're drone, drone pilot as well, correct? Like you have this entire, this element, where did that creative side come into? Like, was that something early on you did as a kid? Did you mm. pick up a camera and learn that? Or are you like YouTube self-taught? Like I just got in the cameras and I started, you know, researching guys who knew cameras and learned it all myself. Yeah. yeah. So you were talking earlier about like um, people that grow up poor and I just have this like just this drive to want to do well. But growing up, I always was very, very artistic. Like, I used to win art like competitions and different things, mainly for drawing. Okay. I used to make fun of photography. Like I was just like, oh, that's so silly. Um, but I had a huge passion for videography. And one summer I worked an entire summer to buy my first like Sony cyber cam and I bought this laptop. This was like Firewire days. Only okay, to yeah. find out that I, I didn't buy a good enough one to be able to edit. But being in basketball or sports, like I was always obsessed with like dunk highlight tapes. And I mean, me and me and all my friends are were super tall and athletic, so we would always try to make dunk tapes. And that's where the drive came from. And once I started making all these videos, like this was back in like N one days, where you would see <laughs> semi documentaries of like hot sauce and half yeah. man, half amazing. So I still have old footage somewhere of like me and all my friends, like, you know, this is Chris Martin. I'm, I'm going to dunk this ball, blah, blah, blah. This is what I do in a day. And, um, that, that's honestly where the passion came from. Um, but it quickly dropped out just because of when I grew up in West Virginia where no one values art. Um, also this was 10, 12 years ago when, no one really valued videography, you know, before all these social platforms. Um, but then just also not having the money or knowledge that you could actually do something with all this stuff. Like back in the day, if you're going to do videography, you had to go all the way to Hollywood. Like you need to go to UCLA, graduate, then go off to Hollywood or something. So it just, I guess we fell back into like the traditional jobs or like, what do I do for money? And um, my senior year was kind of tough. Um, my mom battles depression like super bad. And, uh, she's a, I guess you would call it like a serial suicide attempter. Um, so pretty much her whole, my whole senior year, she was pretty much in the hospital from, cause if, if you do a suicide attempt, you survive it, you go straight to rehab for a while. Um, so that was pretty much my senior year. And I actually wanted to do architecture. So there is the drawing element to it, but, there's no architecture schools in West Virginia. And I think the closest one was maybe university of Tennessee, which when you're poor, like a 30 mile trip seems like you're going to, you know, across the world. Um, so I had to switch up and I, I was looking into becoming a pilot. Um, uh, I knew I loved 
business. Um, I, I thought about being a math major at one point. Randomly, I, I was always real gifted at math. Um, so I love numbers and drawing. So that's where architecture came from. But um, all my friends actually steered me into accounting. They were like, Dustin, you're the cheapest person we know. Um, you always remember if we owe you a dollar. Um, so you should go into accounting because you're good at math. Um, little did I know accounting is not math at all. It's just the law of numbers, no math. I, I always loved finance more, and it makes more sense to me. Um, but in West Virginia, you, you get a finance degree, like your best option really is to to become a head teller. And not that there's anything wrong with sure. that. It's just if you go to college and you take 40, 50, 60 grand out in student loans, yep. and then you come out and make $12 an hour, is is setting you up for it's failure. Bad, bad math. So, yeah, so accounting, accounting in West Virginia – will give you a better career than finance here in Charlotte. Completely different story. You yeah. have a finance degree in Charlotte, you'd be able to do something much bigger, but, um, through dating Sid and being here in Charlotte, um, when I was proposing, I was looking for a photographer in LA and I was like, man, all these photographers are garbage. So I just rented a camera out there, Googled the settings, took a picture, edited on the plane, plane ride home. I was like, well, this is actually super easy. And so immediately this like light went off in my head. I was like, you're doing fitness. Let me practice on you so I can help you because you need photos. I want to learn. Um, and, then, and then we'll see where it goes. But I think within three weeks of owning a camera, that's when another like light, you know, just switched on a company called Eat the Bear reached out to Sid and was like, who's doing your photos? And um, she put them in contact with me. I went and met with them and, they were like, can we see your portfolio? And I was, I was like, you all called me in here. Look at Sid's Instagram. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> ironically, they gave me a position and it was like, I, I didn't mean, I didn't tell them that I had just started, but it was like a paid internship pretty much. And, um, so you I, got the practice and hone the craft in that way. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I actually was obsessed with it, but then you, it, you add in, you get paid doing something you're obsessed with. And it just like, spirals out of control what do you like better photography or videography i would, I would say videography I, I, I love storytelling i'm a, i feel like i'm a pretty like deep thinker so I, I love to tell some some sort of story who do you think let's let's put it in the youtube world who's doing the best video storytelling right now in any genre that's t that's tough right now because um you, I, I feel like YouTube's not telling stories anymore. Like you have Mr. Beast that's just handing out money. Yeah. So that's not a story. Yeah. That's more of a, a tagline and a, and a, an attraction piece. Um, I, well, I think I know you are, but Sid already told you I was yeah. obsessed with Casey. Yeah. Um, I, like that was like a, he was like a dad to me for a while when he quit vlogging, like my heart was broken. <laughs> I, I actually, like I was sad for a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, that was like my daily motivation piece. Um, what was it about you think with Casey? Because I came up, uh, post, like I, I, the, you know, I went back and I had to rewatch all the vlogs. I didn't get to watch them live kind of as he was going through that and his company beam and all that stuff. But what was it about his style of storytelling that you connected with is what was it the subtle cinematic kind of things or was it the, just the break? Cause first person point of view vlogging. You know, you had like uh, Life with Louie and a couple other like brands out there doing stuff like that. But just like some of the sequences and that continuous thought, he'd be talking about it on the cab and then finishing the sentence, walking up the stairs. Like there were just some subtle cinematic like drips in there that on top of 
ultimately a pretty non-polished vlog for the most part. I mean, at the, to the naked eye, what was it about his storytelling that you liked and gravitated to? To be honest, I don't know if it was really the storytelling or just, I, I feel like he's super intelligent. Um, he's very educated. I felt like we had a similar uh, background, which I, I really don't know his true background. You know, I know the story piece, but his just hustle. And um, I, I just, I always love people that make me feel lazy. And if there was someone that could do that, it was Casey. Um, like he would just wake up and go get it. And he has this today and he has this. And he's teaching a little bit about videography and cameras at the time, which is what actually got me to him at first. Like he was, he was big into drones, which I think drones are probably what semi set him on the map. Um, cause he was known as that drone guy that just flies everywhere, yep. and breaks everything and crashes everything. But I, I would say a lot of his cinematics, you're right. Just like, um, he, me to this day, like I, I complain about taking a camera over here or here. And like this dude's taking a, probably a 50 pound backpack everywhere. And like lazy is not in his vocabulary yeah. and that inspires me. Yeah. Um, but then just, you know, I feel like he always, uh, challenges the status quo um and coming from nothing like I, I feel like he really pushed hard to make a name for himself and I, I feel like that's pretty much what I've you know tried to do and to me it was it was inspiring yeah I I always would look at this vlog I'm like all right this thing's seven and a half minutes and it's got it's got such a story though too even like his early videos like the bike lanes videos and things like that that just had like they were so mission based and so uh shakespearean three act like you could see the character introduction the conflict resolution all kind of built yeah. in there um and that you know if you if you like it so guy raz he own, he uh, has the how i built this podcast at npr an amazing oh, yeah and so he interviewed casey last year and it is if you're like a casey fan like he talks about stuff that I don't think I've ever heard of on any channel or any other interview in that podcast. You would, you would dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Our new employee was telling us about that podcast. Yeah. It's great. They do a great job with that. So you pick up the camera and then you and Sid take off with the thing. I look at you guys and I I talked to Sid about this. You guys have set the bar so fucking high for production quality. Like if, if I'm a young 20 year old and I'm like, yeah, I've got just, I've got a ton of followers too. I want to be the next Sydney Cummings, Bob, I'm going to make fit. I would, you would be, you'd be up, going uphill so far. Not that she's so far advanced of you and as far as followers and a business acumen, but just the production quality of what you guys are putting on. I mean, this is like cable, te- the, such a high quality. Where did you guys do that strategically? Or is that you just being like, I want it to be perfect. I want it to be the best. Or is it also like, I need to be so far out here that anyone trying to catch up to us is like, well, fuck, that's, that almost seems kind of out of reach. Well, First off, thank you. Because <laughs> uh, I, I feel like we look at it every single day, and I'm like, this is like the same as yesterday. Like, we need to do something better. Like, Do you think our- just the repetitive of the style of the workout video is also maybe that, as a creator, seeing the same style, like same essentially same video every day yeah. for you has got to be somewhat creatively difficult at times? Yeah, I, I mean, I think as humans, any of us do that. Like, you go out to the same car every day, you immediately think you need a, a new car sure. for some reason, or you you know, we're just insatiable. Like we always want something new and the more we get, the more we think we need. Um, but part of what you said is true. Like we do try to up it because I guess one, one part of it is we do want to give new stuff, make it exciting, make the channel exciting. So it's not just the same thing. It's like the psychology of it, you know? Um, it's, I would say it's probably 
a part of why people gym hop, you know, I want to go to this gym. This one has nicer windows or, you know, you never know, but, um, a big piece of it too, which I guess we don't really think about it as being like, we don't want anybody to catch up with us. I I, I don't ever think about that. Um, but now that you bring it up, that is kind of true. I've told Sid that before, like as we grow, we can throw the money that we do make back into it. So there's easy solutions that you can do to make the production quality a lot higher, better cameras, better mics, sets. I mean, sets are pretty much what we're um, working on now. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was, and that's part of when we started YouTube, we didn't have the funds. I mean, I built that white Sicklerama stage by hand and that's all that we could afford. I, I think I probably spent, $1,400 $1,400 at Lowe's to build all of that, which it was all creative. So the, the way I built it, which I was proud, I was doing a shoot in New York f- for Nike. And this art director was like, used what to build? Oh, that's, I would have never thought of that. And I, and I was just, I, I think the creative piece comes out in the set building too. Yeah. The sets um, are a big thing that sets you guys apart. Like, especially now with the warehouse you have and probably your ability to have multiple sets type scenario. Cause that's, I mean, at some point, someone could, if they had the cash, get a camera head, uh, a couple tacks, some really good gear, get some black magic, and just and be like, okay, we have a great setup. But the sets now, especially if you can change those as often as you guys were, I was trying to explain to somebody the severity and the complexity just from me looking from the digital world in of the Ignite set and talking about, okay, I, I, I that camera there, I think I know what that costs, and he's got X amount of those. Like, holy shit. Like, it just sets the bar to a completely different level. Yeah, it uh, stresses me out to another level, too. Because yeah. <laughs> at the same time, you're like, do we really need all of this? Like, you know, because Sydney has her loyal followers. Um, and then at the end of the day, which I don't want to say say this to Sid, or, and I never do, or anyone else, but you and I both know in the world of fitness, the biggest marketing tool is Sid's body. Yes. Um, and her appearance. Um, so... That's a big piece of it, um, and, and there are other YouTubers or other people out there that are just skyrocketing solely based off their body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think that the set at the end of the day is what makes or breaks us, no. but it, I think it does make it exciting for sure. It definitely, and it, you know, she was telling me the story how you kind of were at the the YMCA uh, parking lot and you wrote drew up like just let you know whatever at the top <laughs> of your dome the yeah. the ignite set. Yeah. So I'm sure that like gives you a, lo- a level of the creativity like part of it as well, since the videos are for the most part pretty templated as far as that goes. So yeah. from a creative, t- you know, you guys have introduced the modifications that you know the screen up in the corner showing people what they can sub that out with which I thought was great, but you're right. I mean, especially at YouTube, you know, everything gets down resed. Uh, you know, what are, is anyone like, oh, I'm not following Sydney Cummings anymore. That's the same set she's used for two years. Like at the end of the day, is that really what's bringing somebody? And for you being so conscious with money, right. You know, coming like, Hey, no, there's no one cheaper than Dustin. Like those sets aren't cheap. And I mean, I, I don't know whether you're able to constantly reuse the equipment and the gear, but I mean, do you ever look at that from a financial standpoint and be like, uh, we'll try this for 18 months and see if our constant set, you know, whether that really picks up. But if it doesn't, it's an expense and a line item we don't need. Oh, no, I think about that <laughs> all, all the time. I mean, every I think everything in a business, you're thinking like, is this worth it? Is sure. it not? Um, is it a, is it good to have as a tax deduction? You know, yeah. so there's there's lots of things that go into it. And then sometimes it it really is just a 
pure joy expense for us to be able to see like what we can do just for us. Like we work so hard. Let's just blow some cash on a, on a set because we want it. And that's what we've always dreamed of. So whether it takes off or not, let's try it. But yeah, there is, there are definitely those thoughts. Like, is this going to pan out? I would say the ignite set, which uh, certain people like certain people don't. It's, it's really weird. It's like, if you're into cinematics and stuff, you love that set. If you're into like edgy workouts and stuff, you like that set. But if you're bright, poppy, jolly, like, no, 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 like take me to a white set with some flowers or something. Sure. Um, or just a white wall with some flowers. And then, and then at the end of the day, you're like, ugh, like what? We just paid all this and you just want a white wall with some flowers. Like we can make that happen super easy. Yeah. We don't have to leave the living room. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the, the sets, they're definitely a new expense I've never experienced to yeah. say the least. And we're, we're, we just finished one right now. Um, but it, just give me, even if it's just a ballpark, what, what does, like, what did the Ignite set cost? Like, cause I, I want people to understand like that you put in that much, not only financial energy, which is relative to your income. So it's, you know, you're not spending more than you make, but it's real, just be like a gym owner who's going to spend, I spend an extra 10 grand on a better paint job for the gym, right? Something like that. Yeah. Or I want nicer equipment. So I think a gym owner or anyone, a business owner listening is can, can compare, but I want people to understand it was a short term project. It was a 30 day program, right? And then you pretty much are going to recycle into a new set. Well, it's a, a lot of elements on that set. So I'm learning all this too. So for anyone that's listening, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, it might seem like I know what I'm doing, but every day I wake up and what am I going to do today? Or, or how do I make this happen? So I'm, I'm at the mercy of a lot of people above me too. So I would say if I had more knowledge, I could probably knock off a cost here, knock off a cost there. But like on the Ignite set, I hired a, a project manager. So he had his rate. Um, and then you have all these different contractors that come in and they have their rates. And, and some of it was rentals, which I'm just now finding out. I could have bought the actual <laughs> lights for, for what, what you, the rentals yeah. pretty much were because I had the project manager that rented them. I'm sure he did a markup on them from the rental place. And then once I found out what they cost, like actually cost, I think we paid like 70 to 80% of each light. Oh, so wow. we, we only yeah. rented the beams, okay, the light beams that went straight down. Everything else we purchased so we can Reuse. repurpose. Yeah. Um, but our goal is to have multiple sets with light grids at each of them instead of repurposing and having to move all of them because we just don't have the time. Um, so our goal is to slowly accumulate all this stuff. And I just assume if we keep growing, we're going to need it anyway. So, sure. Um, but, yeah, there was the curtains. There was the, the grid. So the grid is the, I, I think, the most expensive piece that people don't When realize. you say grid, for everyone listening, what, what do you mean by that? So this is what makes it so terrible is it's literally just steel pipe, or aluminum pipes um, that hang from the ceiling. So you you ever watch like a Conan show or the night show, you look up and you see all these grid, all these black uh, pipes. Yep. They're literally just aluminum pipes that you get from some metal company. Um, probably in product, we probably had like $1,800 worth of pipes, but these guys charge on the labor to install it. And I think the grid for the ignite set was like 20 grand. Yeah. Just the, 
pipes. It's so funny. So I was, uh, when I was trying to break the whole CrossFit gym thing, I wanted to get rid of pull-up rigs, like those big giant pull-up rigs. Yeah. Like, I don't want that. Like every gym has one of those. It's a fucking monstrosity. It visually doesn't look good. I want this thing and it doesn't work, doesn't utilize the square footage you pay for, which is the ceiling space that you're, you know, you're not really utilizing. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to create this suspended pull-up bar thing that just hung from the ceiling. I had the structural engineer, I had everyone, and then the same thing. When I broke down the cost to do all the square footage back here, total material cost, $3,800. Labor, installation, welding, you know, uh, the structural guy, the drawings. I mean, it literally was, it, it just it's just insane when you're like, holy shit, that's, it's not about the, it's not the materials. It'd be like, oh, I know a guy who can get you a bunch of metal. But like, I, that's not the fucking problem. <laughs> yeah. I need you to get to be someone who's going to weld it for free, manufacture it for free, install it for free. Um, that's uh, and then the yeah. hard part is like being able to because I know you're all you're all about being able to scale this thing, and it's like, where do you find those people in all the other cities? Correct. So yeah. that's the hard piece. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with corporately owned stores. When you go to do this stuff, it's hard to scale a GC in Minneapolis when you're going to open a Denver, Colorado location. Mm-hmm. That's why you know franchises do a much better job partnering with the equipment partner, the the nationwide contracting partners, the GCs, all that stuff. Right. And they're able to just stamp them out, just like uh, a Pulte Homes or a Ryan Homes company. They're just building these little, oh, you know, yeah. like boop, boop, boom, just stamp out the homes, same style, same builders, same margins all the time. Yeah, I mean uh, – Essentially, our our goal is to have our own people at the end of the day because I just see how much see how much you could save because at the end of the day, a lot of these people are working for a firm, and the firm, you know, just like an accounting firm, yeah. attorney firm, all these things. Uh, I, I think when I was in accounting, I think my hourly rate was three hundred fifty dollars. I probably got twenty five. <laughs> so, and it's the same way with these guys, um, you know. They're, they're charging us a lot of money, but those guys individually don't make much. So it's like my whole thing with Sid has been let's cut out the middleman and I will try to freelance these guys so they make more and I, and I save more. Yeah. Um, so, and that's what we were actually able to do during COVID because all these guys lost, lost their jobs. So that's where the first set came around. It was like I was able to employ probably 15 people. Yeah. Um, and so I gave them some work. Um, I saved a lot of money too, um, but they they got a. I guess they probably got paid more than they normally would too. So from a business standpoint, and I want to. I don't have my fucking external recorder on that one. That does it all automatically. Um, two things. I, I thought about this after I got done with Sid. I was like, all right, she's got the the new warehouse you guys leased. Right. And I, I'm very familiar with commercial real estate in Charlotte. I'm like, okay, I get it. The merch lineup, again, that's what most YouTubers, that's really where they're making their money mm-hmm. in merch and, and product. Um, but now you're in a product fulfillment business, which has its own fucking, it's such a, I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of headaches when it comes to product fulfillment, but you also have the subscription model. And I come from the fitness world where the subscription model is like, it's what everybody wants. It's this one product or this one service deliverable. Mm. That's a one to many. Whereas in the product industry and in the, the merch industry, it's a one to one to many, right? Like one pair of sweatpants, to one person, do that a gazillion times over. Quality control, uh, all designs, you know, customer service fulfillment. When you look at this, what's the bigger? Is there a better business? Which one would you want to go with? I realize you have to do both because obviously the merch is also marketing. It's also free marketing for you guys. Um, 
But when you look at those two businesses, how do you look at the two businesses that are on top of your, you know, your, your YouTube ad, you know, AdSense revenue and all that other stuff? How do you look at those two and growing those over time? And do you have one that you like more than another? I think any business person would obviously say the merch or a product that's scalable, sure. um, which I, I guess you could look at anything that's sitting in our door and since it's a digital product that is scalable. But as you just said, it's one to one as to where when you get merch, you you might drop a line of one shirt, but 10 different colors and everyone wants every single color. So immediately you just capture mm-hmm. 10 sales within one design of one shirt. And then you might make that shirt into a tank top. You might make that graphic into a hat, uh, a cup, a blender bottle. Like it's, it's hard to tell. So you, you can really capture multiple sales. I would say the, the biggest part for us I mean, we love our community. It really is inspiring to see the membership community, which I think Sid's membership is different than the traditional fitness membership. Most people would take what we're giving away for free every single day, make that the membership. Sid's going live every single day with all these people, teaching, educating, um, just speaking, doing Q&As, just motivation, life talk. So it becomes more of an emotional piece, which, which is amazing. Um, but it, it can take a toll on you, you know, especially if someone, I would say gym owners probably can relate to this a lot. Um, when someone pays a fee and they don't feel like you valued them enough. Um, Hey, I paid you $30, give me what I deserve. And you know, they, I, it's not everybody. Um, but there are some people that will think like I paid you $30 you're my best friend now. Yeah. Um, and, and while we love, you know, we love everyone in the group, sure. it's, there's almost 4,000 of you. We can't love you all every day. Yeah. As I, as I always tell everyone, I, I think there's, I haven't looked at the analytics for a while. Like the past few months I've been swamped, but in, in Sydney's membership group, there's like 15 to 20,000 pieces of engagement per day. And that's on top of Instagram. That's on top of Facebook, on top of YouTube, Top of emails. Um, so this is just in her private Facebook group you're talking. Mm, That's yeah. incredible. It, it's a lot. Um, no one could keep up with it. No. Um, which we're very humbled to have that. Um, but it, sometimes it does take a toll on you. Like someone will, someone may get upset and say something, and it, it might just ruin your whole day. Sure. That's where if you were just building, you, you know, just selling a shirt or something, someone may return it, but like, that's the end of the transaction right there. You, you don't necessarily feel bad. Correct. Or at the same time, it, it it's just like the psychology of cost, I guess. For some reason, people are okay with, you know, buying a $30 shirt. They're okay with buying a $300 shirt. But when it comes to health and fitness, 10, 15, 20, $30, it, it's like, they just took out a mortgage or something. Yeah, it's the professionalization of the fitness the fitness professional as well. The thing about the fitness industry, it's it's an absolute fucking jo- it's the wild west. It's an absolute joke. Yeah, like a barber literally has state boards. Like they have a like the cosmetology board oh, has yeah. to pass a location. Yeah. If you go to see your favorite barber, he's got it the combs and the barbicide that blue shit, <laughs> yeah. and they come in and test the pH levels. He can get a two thousand dollar fine if it's not laid up right. right. If his place is a mess, 
that doesn't exist in fitness. You literally tomorrow could go open up a building called, you know, Dustin's Fitness-O-Rama and have everyone fucking ride around on roller skates and hula hoop and punch themselves in the dick and say, that's the group workout. Nobody could ever tell you not to. And if you could find a paying customer for it, you can continue and be a fitness professional. There's zero regulation, which I think is also the reason why fitness professionals, until there's a little bit of regulation and a governing body, and I hate saying this because I really don't want a governing body in fitness, but um, you won't be viewed at the same thing as a lawyer or a doctor or uh, even a physical therapist or a chiropractor. Yeah. Like if you go to a chiropractor or a physical therapist, you're like, all right, this would be 70 or 80 bucks, maybe 110, something like that. Yeah. But you're right. In personal trainers, there are people like, what do you mean I'm going to pay you $60 for a one-on-one yeah. session or whatever? They, it just It doesn't have a professional understanding yet, I think, at the consumer level. Yeah, I and I think people are, just for any service, you know, I feel like people don't want to pay. Like e- even doctors, like so many people don't go get certain things completed because they're like, I'm not, I'm not paying my deductible for yeah. that. That's, that's crazy. But you know, people will go in debt just buying clothes, like sure. go max out credit cards. And like, I, now I have to have another one. And, um, the little beast, little piece of verbiage I was rambling off earlier is like one of my favorite quotes about humans being insatiable. And the more we get, the more we want, it just like exacerbates that whole chain. And it's true. Like you get a white shirt, you're like, Oh, they have another one. Now I need that. And Oh, they have that other logo. I need that one too. And you know, Nike does probably the best job at that, you know, really pushing that urge for need, you know, um, they'll market it exclusive or limited run. Like we don't know if these are limited. They might, they might've made the same amount sure as everything else, but they market it that way. Um, and, and that's just, I think that's just how the product game is. And, and it, it really all clicked with us when we, we uh, fe- manufactured resistance bands. Um, we were getting ready to fly out to LA to do a meet and greet. And it was the first product we ever tried to really sell. And we manufactured these and they sold out in four and a half minutes. <laughs> and I was just like, what just happened? Like, that was crazy. Um, you know, cause we, we're notorious for like not marketing things as well <laughs> as we should. Um, and just seeing how fast they sold, I was like, we got to just keep making more resistance bands. And I was only on like resistance bands. And, and then something clicked with me like three months later, I was like, but resistance bands, they don't, they buy one yeah, and they don't ever need another one. Unless and, it snaps. And things like dumbbells and yep. barbells and stuff. That's also another bad, uh, position to be in as far as sales because people expect it to last their entire life as to where if you get a shirt and it falls apart in a month people are like ah i need to get another one yep. they don't ever think like oh this shirt was defective sure but the second you get like a i don't know a barbell or yeah. anything like that it's like this is supposed to last a lifetime yeah um, different expectations for apparel versus like true utility yeah. products Oh well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to go back to the Facebook group. A lot of gym owners have used private Facebook groups for years to cultivate community and just to be in front of their audience, their current membership at another time and do things very similar like what Sid does in her private Facebook group. And, you know, she's got, you know, whatever this is, almost 4,000 or so Sydney squad subscribers, people in there. And, you know, I think she told me she'll go live and she'll have several hundred, multiple hundreds of people engaging there, answering questions. That's an everyday gig. That, that's a very demanding gig. Mm. 
the one of the things that's interesting with those a lot of gyms had, especially during the election, was making these fucking Facebook groups not become shit shows. Like, oh, you know, like hey, yeah. someone wanting to make a post about something, or if there was anything uh, polarizing in the in the world going on. Did you guys, do you guys ever have to like regulate the group and kind of wean them and be like, okay, let's let that that topic isn't for here, guys. Let's keep it on this topic. Yeah, we. Well, first, I would say everyone struggled during that time. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, as I always tell everyone, in the group, just take Sydney and make four thousand of her, and that's pretty much the group. So we're definitely very blessed. I we we may have had like ten people um that we've had to like regulate i i think there's only been like maybe one or two that we've actually had to like how do we handle this yeah um but it hasn't we've been very fortunate in that so i can't really like compare because i'm sure other group i can't even imagine sure um but we've been very very fortunate like i said everyone in the that group is just like sid like they're very positive that's why they're there um and it's it's really like they help regulate it themselves. So like there will be people that flag different things and we'll have to look at it and evaluate it. Like, could it be a misinterpreted? Okay, let's just remove it. Um, I don't think anyone really takes anything to heart. If we do, um, we are very big on educating. So we try to explain to people if we do take something out, why we did it. And here's why you need to understand. Um, there are, I mean, there are people from all, from probably every country in that group. So, I mean, there's things that, like, I would say that may, may be offensive to someone in India that, you know, you just don't even uh, think about, really. And what you, I mean, obviously what you guys have done is, and gym owners are really big, like, my community is amazing. I'm mm-hmm. like, f- fuck your community. It's not about the community. It's about the culture you create. Right. The culture is how the community behaves, what their core values are. Community are just people going in and out of it. People will cancel the Sydney squad. People, new people yeah. will join the Sydney squad. You can't keep the community the same. But if you set the culture from day one, it's so much easier to let a community grow because they'll share the same thing and you'll have internal policing. You'll have people yeah. in that community that truly get the culture right. and they're able to help police for you, almost like they're a, a hallway monitor, an unpaid intern kind of scenario, like helping you keep the culture what it is. No, and you're exactly right because we we do have a, a turnover rate, which is expected. Um, like I told Sid, what is that? Like, what is your churn on a something like an online? Because so many people had to go to online models during COVID, and right. I get asked that question like, what kind of churn should I expect for an online subscription for fitness? And I had to answer, I was like, I don't know, I haven't seen enough of it yet. Yeah, I would say ours would be a bad gauge too because. Most people, like I said, are going to take what we put on YouTube for free every single day, and that would be their subscription model. So there's a reason to come back. Us, we we pretty much teach about fitness and nutrition, which unfortunately, but fortunately at the same time, don't change. The concepts and theories are the same. Yet people will come out with fads, and then there's marketing ploys to just get people excited for a new program. But, like, the concepts or fundamentals of nutrition, like, a calorie doesn't change. Sure. So you can't you can't just keep people, like, it, it's harder for us to keep people interested. Luckily, I like I said, they're mainly there for Sid. Um, but I would say we probably have a 5 to 10% turnover maybe. Monthly. Probably. Yeah. But, I mean, just as many or more Join, coming yeah, back. Yeah. So it is a little like depressing once you start realizing it, but you're like our numbers are still increasing, 
But at the same time, when Sid and I made the Sydney squad, we understood, like, even, like, I always joke, I would only join it for a month. I would, like, I'm that cheap guy. I would come in, grab all the deliverables, and then dip out. Um, so we, we try to do other things to keep people excited um, and want to stay, which most people do. Um, but, like, for the most part, yeah, you could come learn all you need to about nutrition within one month because almost every month beginning, Sydney goes through, um, teaches fundamentals of nutrition, macros, how to lose weight, how to lose body fat, gain mass, gain weight, like any, any goal you may have. Then we bring in registered dietitians and stuff. We do Q and A's. So really all you need is one month. Cause once you learn nutrition, it's really what most people don't realize is, is majority of the battle is figuring out your goal yeah. and sticking to it. Yeah. You guys have done work with Dengler, right? Matt. Yeah. Yeah, Matt. yeah. 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 He's, he's a client of mine. Yeah. He's a it, good dude. Yeah. It's hard to find, uh, it's hard to find RDs too that are into sports nutrition. Um, and, and I, I'm not putting any RDs down by any means. Cause it, it's like any profession, like attorneys know one piece of law, uh, accountants know one piece of whatever numbers you want them in. Um, RDs are the same way. Most of them are clinical. So they are working with the more, I wouldn't say more important pieces, but like normally the more like tragic pieces like yeah. this person has diabetes or cancer like we need to get them a meal plan yeah um we actually have a lot of rds in the sydney squad like as members that are trying to figure out how to lose weight which is very interesting that's super interesting yeah yeah when, <laughs> i remember when we got like our first rd in there i was freaking out like oh they're gonna grill us on everything and they were actually so um respectful of all the knowledge because we we do a lot of research ourselves and we make sure it's um you know sourced and backed by some good institution or some phd or some actual research person that puts the time in and and does a real study um so we we try to stay up on everything and then we bring people like matt and others in too yeah, Matt, uh, when we first, because we used to do all the nutrition in-house, I would do a nutritional seminar once a month, every That's month, cool. for like five years for the new members. And then I'm, when I was like, I need to get rid of this fucking hat. I don't need to wear this anymore. So I brought Matt in. He was just getting started. I'm like, here's what I want you to do. I want to first know, how full of shit am I? I want you to sit <laughs> in on one of my seminars and listen to That's the cool. whole thing yeah. and then tear it apart and tell me kind of where. And he, he was he was really nice about it. I don't know whether it was as good as he said it was but he's like no it's it's not bad um and then we outsourced everything to matt from there on but yeah it's it, nutrition's interesting it's just one of those things that everyone's right technically like every diet works for everybody at, yeah. at some degree like you mm-hmm. could come up with the most fucked up weird diet and then find 12 people that claim they had amazing success with it it's all anecdotal and it's like That's nutrition true. just yeah it's hard to argue that shit yeah i i think the that's why we mainly just teach fundamentals. Like mm-hmm. we're not diagnosing or anything. We're yeah. just teaching general nutrition. Um, we keep it very light, but then sometimes we will like dive into the deep stuff, but we, we, we also try to steer clear of that because the, the deep stuff is what these other like fad diets grab like one piece out there and twist it, yeah. twist it, throw it. And then that's what they build their whole business off of. And it, it like, like you just said, twist it what they're building their business off of might be incorrect information, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's unfortunate to see people think that like, for, for example, in order to lose weight, you have to cut out this micronutrient or you have to cut out this one specific ingredient. And it's not true. So we, I think nutrition's that, 
that downfall too, to where so many people get caught up in not knowing that they don't even start or they just give up. When the reality is it, it it's a lot simpler than everyone makes it. The the hardest piece is just staying consistent. Yeah. Where do you see the scale for Royal Change going forward? You guys have obviously stepped big into the merch. You've hired employees. You guys are doing, you know, a, a lot of merch moving. Where's the scale though? Like when you look at this thing at it, do you, do you like to think out 10 years out, 15 years out? Like every entrepreneur kind of has a different window. Some are like, yeah. bro, I'm thinking two years out, anything beyond that's fucking a projection, piss in the dark at best. Yeah. And some guys have 10 year plans and yeah. 15 year windows. What, how do you think of that? Yeah, I, I definitely like never have the five or 10 year plans, which is ironic. Cause it like every CPA I was ever, about to say, has I was like a five day plan, a 10 day plan, and then your one year plan. And, I was always opposite, like, and it, and I always try to empathize with people in nutrition too, because I'm like, it's no different than a financial budget. Like nutrition's exactly like money if you think about it. Um, but as far as plans, I guess, um, I mean, we're, we're lucky if we think at the end of the week or <laughs> we're, we're always trying to think at least a month ahead, yeah. but like, that's really so you guys have got the big space now, and it's obviously so the merch fulfilling. Is that something? Do you guys want the merch to become this just continue? Like, does that need to be an ever growing, evergreen business entity for Royal Change? Are there obviously different sets? Are there going to be? Will there ever be other people? Because Sid, we I talked around this. Like one day she's going to want to start a family, right. and I think pregnant Sid will do great. Like mm-hmm. on camera, I think that'll draw a whole different audience in. Yeah. I think you'll see a nice huge twenty twenty like pop at that point. Like you know, with the yeah. audio. I mean, because it's just a whole different animal. Um, but then at what point does Sid? Uh, you know, she, she's like. If you're, uh, if she's Jordan and you're Phil, like at what point does she can't play as many reps, like that kind of thing, as many games? Well, it, that's a good analogy, and um, <laughs> I think to play off of that, it's it ends just like Jordan did when he says he feels like he has nothing left to give. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, I feel like you're very high strung, like me and Sid. So to us, it, there, of course, there are times when you're like editing a video or you like forget a battery and you have to drive back to this house to grab it. Those are the moments where it feels like work, but to us, it doesn't. I mean, I'm used to sitting behind a desk, like having to dress up with a tie and do financial statements. So anything feels fun to me. Um, I, I mean, that's a question we ask ourselves every day. Like when does it end or what, what, at what position do we pivot? You know, um, I, I'm not really sure. Like we'd love to bring in more people down the road, but at the, at, at the end of the day, I started this whole thing with Sid specifically because I, I saw what people loved in Sid. And, um, I feel like if you really want to bring in other people that that's going to be the toughest piece of talent. Like just think about any sequel, like movie sequel and they like replace the dad or, or something. People are like, Oh, that was garbage. And the story is just as good, but they just replaced the one person that you had an emotional connection to. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's essentially Sid. And we, I think, I don't know if Sid brought that up with you or not, but like we built this kind of off the Casey strategy um, I knew that Sid was a very smart trainer. Um, I was just talking to, um, someone yesterday about this. Like I have many friends that are trainers genetically. It looks like they know what they're doing <laughs> mentally. I would never refer anybody to sure. them. Sid mentally knows what to do, how to train you. Um, she keeps you positive, motivated, 
and that's what I saw, and I saw how many people loved her. So that's why I went into this with Sid. If it was someone else, like maybe we could have gotten where we were, but I, I can't say, you know, I can't say that. And uh, then you also have to deal with the facts, like are, is this person going to show up? Are they going to dip out? Or, you know, they're going to demand a pay raise every day. So um, re- I, I would say replacing her down the road might be a thing, but it's it's not something we actually, like, get bent out of shape about. Sure. I think we could pivot the company in different ways if we are to keep it just said, but um, I, I, I guess also we're not focused on it just being said. But it, it's funny because most people don't know Royal Change. They just know Sydney. Um, we're actually dealing with that with our attorneys on, like, trademarks and stuff right now. It was like, we don't know what Royal Change is. And I'm like, no, it's our company. They're like, yeah, but we only see Sydney Cummings everywhere. But yeah, yeah, but it's the back piece behind Sydney. We're we're building it, and uh, so I I guess that's a pretty uh, that is a pretty tough question. Yeah. Um, and then like you said, like we'll want to build a family, but knowing me and Sid, and I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily competitive nature. It's just like it's fun to see this thing grow, and also knowing how much people want pregnancy workouts. We, we, that's the thing we always joke about because we're like, how how do we not film every day? Oh, you got to get pregnant. That's how. That's like the the best way to get out of it. And people will be like, I'm so glad you're not filming so you can take some time off. But no, not for you guys. We'll be like, we're missing out on these views. Hundred percent. Yeah. Opportunity to tell a different story to a different audience yeah. and 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 the evolution of it. I've watched a lot of people. I've watched um, obviously Emily Breeze and obviously what she did. Oh, yeah. You know, and when her thing popped with her working out and um, Miranda Alcaraz, she owns Street Parking, which oh, is yeah. yeah. yeah uh, they've got an amazing online community yeah. out there of people and and I mean she vlogged her entire pregnancy. I mean the birth, like the bath like birth in the bed, like the entire thing and a very emotional, but it made such a connection. It's, it's why they have 30,000 subscribers to their online workouts. It's, it's absolutely insane, but I believe it's because they allowed people in at a level Mm -hmm. nobody else would allow them into. But when typically when I talk business with someone, and it's, you know, you're on, you're on a trajectory and you're like, dude, we're crushing it. We're crushing it. We're crushing it. Like, like you guys, you guys just hit a million, by the way. Congrats. Uh, again, it's, that's so fucking cool. It's like everyone knew it was going to happen. It was just like, I was watching, watching the social blade numbers. I'm like, ah, it's just, it's bound to happen. And Sid actually called it. She's like, I think it's gonna be right about halfway through March. She, she knew <laughs> yeah. it. Like she had it projected yeah. out. But with that and with the runaway train, it's sometimes when you don't like really know where the end spot is. Cause like it, even in training. So if somebody wants to get a, a pull up, they don't have any pull ups. Mm-hmm. I know the end spot. I know we want to end at a pull up. So I know everything to do on the back end. Like right. for me, I wanted to buy commercial real estate and then I want to be able to lease it out. And then I want to take that profit by another commercial building. So I know that's the end game. So I know what I need to do to work it back with you guys, especially because there's not a business template for YouTube, not a good one. Everyone holds their stuff pretty close to the chest, it seems like, in the yeah. YouTube success scene. And when you guys, you know, edutainment or, ed, you know, there's entertainment, there's, the, you know, the Dobricks of the world, and, the, and then there's education, there's, you know, the guys that are actually, like, teaching courses and things like that. And then where you guys fit in, there's not a template, like, from a business perspective. It's not like, okay, we're going to use this case study, this other guy did it like this. I got to imagine that's got to be kind of nerve wracking. Like I, I, like in my head, I'm like, I'd be saving cash as much as I like, I'd be saving a lot of cash. Cause I truly don't know where this goes. Does this go to 2 million and then something happens or does it like, you know, I, what is that unknown? Because it's not a clear cut business plan. Mm. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I guess at the end of the day, we've already accomplished everything we wanted to necessarily. Like we, we did more than we ever expected. Like our goal was, so the whole thing actually started out very philanthropic. So Sid and I both grew up extremely poor. We always joke. We were the trailer park babies that just somehow met. Um, but when her brother passed is when we were like, yeah. let's give back to us. Like I knew how to film. Um, neither of us grown up could afford to go to a gym, let alone actually have a personal trainer. And we, I mean, I, I felt kind of like slighted growing up about that. Like, how, like where could I have been if I would have had that trainer or even a coach to help with basketball or someone just guiding me along the way a little bit better. Um, so that's essentially what we wanted to do. And it's pretty cool now. Like we've been doing it very, very behind the scenes, um, which vlogs is something Sid wants to start up, but I'm like, geez, please do not throw more film my way. <laughs> um, but we've been doing a lot of like, uh, just zoom calls, like meeting with young kids and their parents and like teaching and just, or just even, you know, giving some advice, like what would we do or tell these kids and stuff. But, um, I, as far as like running out of cash, um, I haven't really been too worried about that. Um, you know, cause we can get rid of our employees. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but that is where the, when, when you buy the sets, that's where it comes into mind. Like, is this set crazy? Sure. Uh, cause what if something happens and cash just stops or, um, and, and my main thought is like the stuff we're buying, not your everyday person wants to buy it. So yeah, can the I resale even get value. rid of it? Yeah. yeah. But you guys get to a certain point in, in, in correct me if I'm wrong, but from a YouTube business perspective, when you hit a certain number of subs, you hit get this 1 million kind of scenario, even those older videos are going to tick over on AdSense. Like there's, there's, there's enough recurring, a, good, a decent amount of recurring revenue in there to where you're like, okay, we have this library short of YouTube taking it away, <laughs> but you have this fucking library of content that's now evergreen. It's going to continuously churn AdSense on. Is that kind of the number where like if if someone's listening to this and they wanted to do a YouTube and they wanted to commit to full, you know, I'm going to go a video a day for my gym, my personal life, my consulting. What's the number? Like if you get to their sub wise, you're probably going to see a continuously, you know, periodic increase. You're, you're good. Like you, you can probably, you can probably breathe a little bit. Like what was that sub number for you where you guys like, okay, we're not like the foot isn't on our throat financially. Are you, are you talking about in terms of like payouts? Or? Yeah, like payouts like to the point where the sub number from either just AdSense alone is going to let us breathe financially, maybe less invest in the business yeah. in other ways. Like what was that sub number for you guys where you were able to be like, like we like not that we made it, but like this is a significant like there's like a catapult like for gyms. It's like when you hit triple digits, when you hit three, 100 members, that is a, a oh. catapult for you versus yeah. when you were at 65. Well, I guess unfortunately on YouTube, the sub number – has no correlation to how much you get paid. Yeah, just the views. Um, like, for instance, we could probably 10x our YouTube income if we put ads through our videos. Just think about it. We're doing 30 to 60-minute videos. Pre and I mean, post only. We have so much room for ads. <laughs> like, we could do one every, like, three minutes or something like most of these vlogs do. Um, and now that Sid has a, a million subscribers, we do get the higher-end ads, which I, I only found out about, like, four months ago. So every YouTube channel goes through an auction like bucket and then ads get to, you know, they get to bid on different videos. So depending on like the quality of your channel, you get certain ads. Got it. So like you might look at s someone's channel and see like ABC ads or, 
the new some new movie coming out or something and then you look at you know my youtube channel and you'll see like billy joe from up street has used car lot sure. or something so um that that is a big piece of it too um but for us it was really just trying to replace my salary um you know i always had a saying like i grew up poor i don't care to go back it's not scary there i actually for a, for a lot of it i enjoyed a lot of my life like there because there was no stress um but it was really just replacing my salary you know and then being able to pay my student loans or any debts i had so um i, I guess it really depends on what all financial commitments you have as to as to where you need to be financially but um i think that's the number one mistake people make going into youtube too is um you know if sid and i weren't working full time while we were doing youtube it, it took about a year and a half before we ever made any like income to just even be able to afford the stuff that it took to make the channel so that's not even like living on top of the youtube payouts and everything else like it was a very slow process for sure yeah do you uh what part of the business do you not see yourself giving up creative control on or like you know every 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 ceo every founder has to has to delegate at some point to people and there's certain jobs they don't want to hand off yet it's yeah. like I'm, I'm gonna hold on to that till yeah. i absolutely don't have to or i i just like i don't give a fuck anymore what's that yeah. role in the business for you i would I don't know what that. No, keep going. Yeah. Um, I I would say the only thing for me is just managing people. Um, I hate managing anyone. I'm I'm like really bad about that. So just, that's the one you'd ship off immediately. Oh, immediately, because I just expect everyone to do what they're supposed to do. But then it's really bad for me because I just expect everyone to be ambitious. Like I don't I don't understand how people just sit around. And those are probably the only arguments Sid and I ever get into. Like I'm. I'm, I'm someone that hates to like even go to bed. Cause I'm like, I just want to keep doing stuff. Like I don't ever pick up my phone. Like, um, it's real hard to get me to even want to go on vacation. Cause I, and, it, and it's not about money at all. It's just some weird, like something about my personality. Like I just want to do stuff that's productive. Um, whatever productive means, I, I don't know, but, um, I've always been like that. Like even when Sid and I first started dating, we would go to the beach or something and she would get so pissed. Cause I couldn't sit there. Like we, we got to do something. Like I can't just sit here. Like let's drive around. Like let's explore something. And she'd be like, why can't you just sit here? Um, and the, so I guess the sad thing is like, I just always expect the same from everyone else. Like, I don't understand how people just sit. Like I, I it's a hard, it's hard. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. Like, um, and th- this is very public, but I've only been sharing it because I feel like a lot of people are probably or were in my position, but I didn't know what Adderall was until I had my first job, like my first corporate job. I went to the doctor and I was like, I cannot sit still. Like I can't sit there all all day studying. Like I thought college was hard and I was like, I can't wait to get out because I, you know, I don't have to think anymore. Like I don't have to sit here and just study. But then I got into public accounting and it was, no, you study all day, every day, you learn, you study harder, you learn this business, you dive into it deep, and you sit here when it's 90 degrees outside and you see all these people through the window playing. And, um, like, I, like I, I would start breathing fast. Like, um, I would start just, like, panicking almost. And she was, like, ran me through the ADHD test. She was like, 
you're ADHD. I was like, I, I don't know. I don't even know what that means. And so I like called my mom. She was like, yeah, the doctor tried to put you on that when you were a little kid. And I told him, no, that you were just hyper. It was back like when Ritalin was the main, <clears throat> the main drug for it. And then the Adderall was like the, the better, safer, more sustainable well, version. Yeah. They actually tried me with Ritalin first as an adult. So I was, I, I share this for all the adults out there that might be struggling. Um, I was 22 and they gave me Ritalin and within like three minutes I got a migraine. And so I tried it the next day, three minutes migraine. So I went back to the doctor and I was like, this stuff gives me a constant headache or instant headache. And, um, she switched me to Adderall and, uh, it, it was funny cause I like, I immediately start to fall asleep. It just like Adderall it, will make you fall asleep. Yeah. That's insane. I, 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 I'm not a doctor by any means, but that's what it's supposed to do for true ADHD people. Yeah, it's bring, it bring you, you down. down. You're already here. You're at a 10. They're trying to bring you yeah. down to a 7 and or it was, 6. It was, it was pretty cool for corporate because I was like, wow, this is this is what normal – I don't want to offend anyone, but normal people are like, like, you can chill. You can focus. Like, I was able to think of one thing, but, um, you know, I, I think of ADHD now as, like, a superpower – um, especially being when you're your own business yeah. uh, owner, um, you can do billions of things in the same amount of time. Like I'm, I'm like, you wish you had ADHD. <laughs> like, um, and it and it makes sense. Like when I was in, I remember second, third, fourth grade. You remember those math tests they used to give everyone? Like uh, like a hundred questions on it. Would it be like Scantron? Did you have to fill in like the little square? Like it would be like four times ten. And okay, you'd have yeah, to, like, yeah. Go through an answer. They yeah. used to give me three at 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 a time. And, um, I would always finish before everyone. It's like some Queens gambit shit. Have you seen that on Netflix? The, ch- no, the redheaded chick who plays I think chess? I tried to start that. But. It, it was, it was, it was really good. If you get through the first episode, oh, okay. it's really good. I need to check that out then. But yeah, yeah I, I would say management for sure. Just because I have such high expectations and, and I'm really bad about like constantly managing you. Like, I just feel like you should want more for yourself and uh, I shouldn't have to like be here to like tell you. But you still do Adderall today, like for any for ADHD. Sometimes, yeah. Um, like if I have to do an edit or yeah. Um, like so now the edits have become kind of monotonous to me. So they're not they, they don't necessarily fill my creative void anymore. So it does get hard sometimes. Like oh, I got to do this edit. Oh, I got to film it. Um, and then depending on what meeting we're about to have, I don't want to sound like an addict or anything, but like, I'm like, man, this is uh, one of those meetings I don't want to be in. So, um, I can really tell when I start to get anxious from not being able to yeah, like move around or whatever. I think it's, I think it's really, uh, I love that you shared that. So I did, I took, so I was the opposite in college. I would take Adderall to <laughs> buckle down and study, right? Oh, okay. Like, you know, from a, you know, that kind of scenario, I'd take it sometimes to the party, but like for the most part, it was like a dial it in study the whole deal. Um, and as I, now I don't, I haven't, I've not taken it in a very long time, but there are times where I'm just kind of scattered on seven different projects yeah. and I wish I could just have that laser focus like I used to have mm. it, but it's, I, I, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're wearing all these hats, you're constantly in a, you're either in a, you're in a technician, a managerial or a visionary role. Right. And sometimes you're in all three at the same time. Yeah. So I'll be editing this video simultaneously. <laughs> I hear something and I'm like, Oh my God. And I got to stop. And I like, I'm in this project. Next thing you know, I've been a rabbit hole for 60 minutes researching mm-hmm. something. And then simultaneously I've got to, Oh shit. Look at all these texts from the staff. And I got to answer all these managerial texts. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's this thing where it'd be nice to just boom, just zoom in. And I like, I I've talked about this, but like, um, I, I have a hardest time sleeping. Once I fall asleep, I can stay asleep. I can't go but to you sleep. Are, the craziest thing. And you can ask Sid this because a lot of people don't believe me, but that is when I will take an Adderall sometimes. No kidding. I, cause so that's actually how I learned about monsters energy drinks too was because I would take an Adderall and I would I would start falling asleep and I was like I need something like this is crazy and I, I don't like coffee um, so I, I start drinking energy drinks and it's like it, I mean it sounds like I'm a, a drug addict or something but it's like it gets me into that weird like middle ground like so I'm able to like slow down and focus on one thing but i'm not asleep either sure but um a lot of nights like if i'm wired i'll take an adderall and within 10 minutes i'm out really yeah. and, I, and like i said i'm wrong i i can my body is physically exhausted i go to sleep i can't stay asleep so i would use unisom non-habit forming i take about a half of one you can get it over the counter okay and it, the timing was up, and then it was like honestly, the best thing now is I'll smoke a wee little bit of weed, and that just just takes my brain and just dumbs me, just dulls me out, and it's perfect because I can start an edit, I'm like a sixty minute edit, eat a brownie or something like that, and by the time it kicks in, I'm like ah, I'm done with the edit because <laughs> I'm just afraid something else is going to capture my brain, yeah. like something else is going to get in there, and it's going to be an idea, or worse, I'll think about something I did that I didn't do well enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've literally spent 90 minutes editing a video, you know, whatever. I'm going to upload to YouTube overnight to schedule it. Yeah. And then I wake up and I'm like, did I, did I put that one clip? In? I bet you I did. And I go downstairs and I start the fucking, like I get right that, into it again. That's, that's why I, when every time Sid brings up vlogs, that's why I get scared because I can't stop. It's, yeah. it's, it really is an art piece. And that's, Sid always wants me to start drawing again. I, I think the last thing I drew was her high jumping and I, the, the, that's a great AD, ADHD component because I was studying for my CPA and I was taking the test the next morning and I was just like, I, I'm going to start drawing this picture. And it like started looking pretty decent. So I didn't stop. And it was like 4 a.m. And uh, I was like, I just got to put it aside. Um, but yeah, I mean, vlogs, all this, even business, it's an art piece. And, it, and it's really hard to stop on any of it. Um, and, and I would say with employees, that's the one thing I'm always trying to remember is like, for, for me or you, we get instant gratification, right? Like you, you may, uh, evaluate them once every quarter or whatever. You might give them a bonus here or there, but they can't control like if you're going to do that or not, like they can work their butts off and hope that you do. But like for me or you, like you might come up with an idea to sell some shirts and, and you know that you might make 10 grand if you sell them all tomorrow. So you're like pushing your employee, but I mean, unless you're just generous, that they don't necessarily get a cut of that. Correct. Um, so I always try to keep that in the back of my mind too. Like they they don't have the same drive because they don't have the same return. They don't have the same return, and also I always looked at it as like I'm going to be a ten in my business. No one's going to care about it as much. No one will ever clean yeah. my gym as good as I would. Right. right. But it, there's a certain point where if I'm a ten, the amount of time being a ten on that task would take up for me. It's better to hire an eight. Right. And so like I look at this world of like I just need to be surrounded by a bunch of eights because the only people that really notice the difference between eights and tens in, in this business, at least I'm in, is generally going to be me. Right. Like, you know, I'm like, this floor is filthy. And then members are like, it's the cleanest gym we've ever been to. And I'm right. like, oh, well, I still fucking think it's filthy. Like, fire that guy. Yeah. But like, I'm never going to find a 10, right? Like yeah. for a cleaning, right? Or like even these guys, they're nines. They're solid. <laughs> they're nines and eights. 
But still, there will be parts of the job that I'm like, no, like I would have done that a different way. But yeah. that's because it's me, and that, that's the yeah. difference. It, and it's funny you even bring that up because I had that same struggle, uh, especially, you know, growing up with nothing. Like to tell my mom, like we have someone cleaning something, like just sounds preposterous. Like who are you? Yeah. Um, and, and that always, and, and then just the fact of never having money, and I'm like, I can do that better than they can, mm-hmm. and I can save money. Yeah. So that like goes so through you got your two head. things now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but cleaning was mine and Sid's only argument. So Sid was, I always joke that any female athlete that I've ever met was the messiest person. Messiest. Yeah. And any female or a- male athlete I've met. Meticulous. Cleanest. Yeah. And it, that holds true for everyone I know. Um, athlete wise. And when I first met Sid, it was just a disaster. <laughs> And then people would come to my house and like, are you a serial killer? <laughs> and um, so when we lived together and, and even like right before I proposed, I was like, I, was, I swear I'm not proposing because she didn't do the dishes. Like th- this is crazy. Um, but that was my biggest struggle too, is like cleaning takes the most time. Mm-hmm. Um, and my whole thought, and it, I think Sid's so tired of hearing this, but every day I, I really think this, if Jeff Bezos said, sorry, you're not getting your package today. I had to clean the house. Would you be happy with that? Or what would would the customer say? So that's helped me outsource a lot of stuff. But, um, yeah, that's, that's one of the hardest things. And I remember like we would go to hotels and I would say, Sid, this hotel is so clean. And she was like, what is your problem? I'm like, it's proven to me that other people know how to clean. (laughs) Like, so like being able to hand things off is, uh, yeah, it's a struggle for sure. But you you start learning like opportunity cost, especially yeah. like as you start making money and you're like, oh, my time actually has a value. I feel like in the early stages of your entrepreneurship and even in the middle, you still don't really know what your time is valued at. And then you'll start making money and you actually look at what you had to do to make that money. And you can actually start tying a real value to, to the actual even hours or minutes. Mm. Yeah. And I think one great thing with you is while you're hardcore, you're still humble and realistic with yourself. Yeah. Like until you make money, your, your time isn't worth anything. And that's, that's why most people fail. Um, for instance, us hiring contractors, we'll have a contractor reach out that hasn't had a job in six months and they want $2,000 a day. And they'll be late. They'll show up late for every show up late. They'll argue with you. And that's also why they won't have a job for the next six months. Cause I'm like, I'm on to the next one. Um, so until you have a, a real rate and a consistent rate. Cause even if it's a day here and a day here, you're able to charge someone, you know, once a week for this rate to, to me, that's, that's still not a real value of time because yeah. that week that you could lose that week. Or if you lose two weeks, that that's a huge shift in w- what your hourly rate is. So, um, and, and the way I've always looked at it is if, if I don't have something going on at that very second, my time is worth zero. Correct. No, no matter how much I've made, I always look at it that way. Yeah. You, it's interesting. You bring up the hourly rate. You know, when I got into the consulting thing, I didn't know how to do that. And then I, I said it and you're right. It, it was consistency. I just had to make it, it couldn't be based on how many projects I had or whatever, because time is the most constant unit of measurement we have. So, right. but like a nice rate, number one made it, you know, uh, consistent across the board for customers. That way right. if they ever, you know, talking at a conference or whatever it may be, but it also really just helped me kind of put a value on the time. That way, like when I have a buddy from college I haven't talked to in 
12 years and he's like, hey man, can I get 20 minutes of your time on the phone? Now, if I'm driving in the car to a meeting and I've got the time and I don't have to take another call, sure, absolutely, let's just shoot the shit. I haven't talked yeah. to you in a while. But if it's like a Monday at like 1 p.m. and I'm in the middle of the, you know, the putting out the fires, there's not a chance. My mother could call me on fire and I wouldn't take the fucking call, <laughs> yeah. right? Like I'm doing yeah. shit. Like yeah. there's no way. Uh, but the valuing of the time is, especially with you guys, because the daily upload Oh, like I have so much respect for the consistency of that. Like I just like producing a film of your quality every fucking day. It, it's insane. Like, and cause you guys, it does, it makes vacations. Like you guys got a pro, you guys got a backlog, a bunch of videos. If you want to be gone for five days, mm-hmm. are you going to shoot those five days of videos the week before and then publish them over the court? Like, how would you guys think about time off when on screen yeah. presence is, is the business? I mean, that one is tough. Like, um, actually, when we f- first started this, we were all we were super excited because we we're like, we can travel anywhere. Um, <laughs> and then it like really came to a halt. A lot of it has to do with like finding somewhere for the dog to stay. But um, there's so many other factors now that we sell so much around the daily uploads, like the monthly calendars or the Sydney Squad membership that we have to also stick to the daily upload routine. Um, but we, we do normally f- f- pre-film like you were saying and batch it. And I even try to have it edited and uploaded before we go, just because I don't know what the conditions are like, wherever we go. Like you go to some hotels, Shitty Wi-Fi, you whatever. wouldn't be able to upload anything. No. So um, it is very hard. And, and the number one question we always get asked uh, is does Cindy do workouts outside of this? And I, I haven't done any of them, but if you've done any of her workouts, you would know, like, you're going to be dead afterwards. Um, I, I've done, like, one or two, and then I, I wasn't able to do anything for a few days. But um, she goes hard. And that was the whole thing about it was, you know, we don't want to put out these, like, just, like, fake workouts that, you know, were – clipping all these things up and then Sydney's not even sweating. And then people will come back to us and say like, I didn't even get anything out of that workout. So this is Sid's workout. So when you think about if someone were to tell you, Hey, I need you to do three workouts today. Would you, would you be able to do that for five, six days? And not only three workouts per day, but I need each one to be equally as good. That way when people are doing it with you, they know you're going hard. Yeah. It it's what's incredible too is because she does those and it's kind of like spin instructors they run it because they actually do the class they're on the yeah, bike no. so like spin instructors doing even two classes back to back is pretty you don't generally want that happening mm, right um but uh when we had the pivot and we started making videos for when the gym got shut down the the biggest thing with that was I don't want to edit. Like, I don't want to edit these things. So you're just yeah. going. You fuck up, it's on camera. Like, oh, we're, yeah, it's yeah. just living right there. Because I'm not trying to edit out every little blub you make in words or you right. forget the exercise or you did the wrong rep. Admit it on camera and it becomes more transparent. I know Sid does yeah. a great job of that, which yeah. obviously makes your workload um, a lot easier, too, not having to worry about oh, yeah. it be looking perfect from that perspective. Yeah. You mentioned some earlier, you know, the videos, you're, you've got a template down for these. You guys are constantly evolving the the delivery of that video, but... You are a really creative guy. I mean, 
what do you ever think of like said at some point I'm I'm going to need to scratch this creative itch on something you know I'm gonna, I want to go make another you know some content for Nike or I want to shoot something for a brand or I want to yeah. put make a doc you know like what is that going to be for you because I know the creative itch and it itches it's scratch I mean it itches hard yeah um, honestly now I I think the fact that we're finally generating revenue I think the itch is coming out and being able to orchestrate the business in a sense like so I I feel like I do get my creative piece from that but I mean you're right like I do as far as like the videos go I do get that itch a lot like uh like what can we do I want you know I want to pull out gimbals I want to pull out the drones like I want to do a vlog but the thing that stops me is remembering all my other duties and uh how how hard vlogs are like people just look at vlogs and think it's a cakewalk and it, and it's not. And, um, and earlier you were saying we stepped up our videography on YouTube and it's not just us. It's all of YouTube be, before you know it. YouTube is going to be, I mean, it, it's already there. Yeah. It's TV, the cinematography. I mean, you have yeah. the McKinnons of the world and guys that are laying out exactly yeah. like, this is what it should look like. Mm-hmm. This is, <laughs> this is a, uh, a montage of making coffee at 120, just yeah, slowed yeah. down and just perfect. Like it yeah. looks like some like a Scorsese fucking film. And, and the, the cool thing that I love about it is it doesn't just take knowledge or purchasing equipment. It takes energy. Like it's so much work to just carry a camera, to set it up, to think about the story, to actually film it, and then remember to edit it and where to be at the right times. And, and if you're going to have people in it with you, like you have to all be on the same page. It's, it's a lot. Um, you know, and vlogs will probably have to be something I outsource as much as I don't want to at all. Um, we are getting ready to hire for a content creator. Um, but it's funny, like that's when I start getting competitive, like, <laughs> um but it, it's also it's harder for me and Sid too like working with who you're with every day um or your partner in life sure. or whatever like i mean naturally we're, we're just like best friends for the most part um so we don't really argue too much and and when we do we're not like bad we're like uh we'll just bicker and then we'll be back but it does make vlogs a lot harder especially our our mindsets are completely different. Like Sid's is, um, Sid's is like always happy, positive, motivational, and I'm like, ooh, sick cut, sick edit, slow mo this. We need drones coming down. Like, and and she's not there. She's like, I just want to get a story across and motivate someone. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, we we need uh, color grades and this. And like, I'm trying to think ahead of time for the edit. And and when when you start to freak out like last second because like, I have to get the shot now. And she's not on the same page as me, um, it, you know, bet- I guess between a, re- a couple, yeah. it's a lot harder. Well, I think I, you guys, I think, would kill it because you have the differences and everyone is making an assumption. All of your followers make the assumption that you guys are either like whooping the shit out of each other when the camera's <laughs> not on yeah. or like you're just this magical romance story where you never argue. It's the perfect partnership. Yeah. And what reality TV did, like what I think of reality, what I think of the change in vlogging and documentary i think of like the jersey shore people don't give that program enough yeah. love like people want to know what's behind the curtain even when yeah. when's behind the curtain isn't pretty how many uh, uh e dot like the e channel or whatever have uh do, or reality shows where it's husband and wife 
you know, like Chip yeah. and Joanna Gaines, right? Like in fucking like on HGTV, like, and they're working together. Like you guys hire a content creator to film it up and then you guys get to scrub the footage. Like, all right, I did that, but like, don't show everyone that fucking part. But yeah. like you did enough to give behind the Oz curtain. I think it would absolutely kill, even with a limited production value, just giving them the behind the scenes. Because as motivating as Sydney is on a fitness front, I think she could inspire an entire generation of either trainers or business-minded people. Same with you, to look at that and what two people can create, one person can create, whatever it may be. Um, but I think that like if there's that third dimension, you know, yeah. like. My my favorite thing is the shop. LeBron James's uh, documentary oh, does. It's yeah. that's my that's my thing, yeah. right? Um, that look there at all those guys and hearing them how they interact when they're not on camera, when it's not a sound clip off the mic, like when yeah. they're on the side, like that's what I want. I want to hear like, oh, what would LeBron really fucking say to Maverick? Like when he thinks he's fucking like when he doesn't agree with him, or like yeah. what does that sound like? And I think that reality there. I, I'm I'm very excited if you guys you guys hire someone to to follow you around and do like a, a vlog behind the scenes. I think it will fucking kill. That, I mean, that's what we um, are trying to hire for next. It, it's just hard, um, and, and a lot of YouTubers actually talk about this because you hire a content creator. So they have that same drive to create content and they come and work with you for a day or two. And they're like, I'm going to start my own channel. And then they, they go and they might start their own channel sure. or whatever, or they, they, a lot of content creators want to be the face. And I, and I get that. Um, you know, that's the number one question I probably get like, Dustin, do you, why, why are you doing this with Sid? But I think it works out perfectly because I'm more like, I sit back and I'm more observant than anything. And she's, you know, more motivating and just likes talking to people more. So, um, but yeah, hopefully we can, I hope, hopefully we make the vlog come, come to life. I think, I think, I think that's a gig. Like, I mean, everybody, you know, wants their D rock. Everybody wants like, you know, their version of a guy to go around and, you know, film me, make me look dope, but not really want, and just want to be on the creative side of it. And, Picking up a camera, as you know, back in the day, had very little value to it. But picking up a camera now, so I remember having guys um, that were doing videography for me and editing for a year. And then I looked at what I spent on that at the end of the year, and I was like, yeah, we need to, I mean, I need the trim expenses. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to use my Joby Gorilla Pod. It's going to be my $40,000 employee right here. This is, I'm going to go first person, and that's going to save me 40 grand. Holy fuck. But, I like being dangerous enough at something like I all, you know, I would love to go ahead and outsource this all out again one day after I've spent three, four years getting dangerous with it. So I know what I want. I know when you're skimping on the work. I know, I know enough (laughs) about it. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy to me that there's not more kids picking up cameras and just like showing up. Like, can I just get experience? Can I just film and edit? Like, yeah. it, you don't have to go to school for it. it there's free. Like, you literally could grab a camera and get on YouTube and spend six months studying videos on how to edit and color grade and all that and lighting, and you could go out and do your thing. Yeah, and, and what you just said is interesting too because when I when I first picked up a camera, so I had a little bit of that imposter syndrome because. When I first picked up a camera, I was trying to meet some people locally, and, and um, some of these people went to college for film or college for photography. And, you know, I'm not knocking on any of these people or anything, but, like, they, eight years out of college never had their first photography gig or never had their first videography gig. And um, I was just like, when, when are you going to get your first one? And a, a problem a lot of us have is we always think 
we haven't learned enough. Like I need to learn more before I go get my first gig. I need to learn more. Yeah. Um, or a lot of them, which, which was super surprising to me, um, you know, go get a job at like CVS or target, just being a photographer and you know, they don't really make enough to even afford their own camera. They're just using targets at target doing photos for kids or something or families. Um, but the, the crazy piece about it too is you, you can't, you can't learn yeah. art. No, you and have to, it, you have to wrap it. You got to practice it. Well, and then some people just understand it and don't like, um, like art majors go to college to learn other people's art. Sure. Yeah. That doesn't mean they're going to become an artist. Correct. And, um, I guess another saying I'll always tell everyone is like LeBron could teach anyone how to play basketball and, and you could get as much as experience as you want, but you're not going to be LeBron. Yeah. And, and that's what people don't understand either. But for people that are artistic or do have it, I think it's very motivational because when you realize that it's not the technical piece, like once you learn the ISO and the shutter and all that stuff, it's art. Mm-hmm. It's the, the art of the story, art of what you envision, art of the picture, art of, you know, audio, like whatever you want to make it. It's just all art. Like yeah. uh, famous musician, like Drake didn't go to school for, for rap. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he just makes his raps and it's an art piece. So yeah, um, I, I think that's the biggest piece that people that want to do it need to understand too. Like you don't have to have this crazy education. No. And I think like when you look at things like Skillshare and like all these like online learning platforms that you could go to, like I think of like I joke around, um, we're putting my, my daughter's getting ready to, you know, get into like, I don't know, country day or one of these fucking schools that are going to, you know, cost an arm and a leg. And I'm like, can't she just go to YouTube you? Like this girl <laughs> yeah. can learn anything she fucking wants. Honey, what do you want to, what do you want to be in life? Yeah. We can learn it on YouTube and then you could pay someone to actually give you practical application, internships, yeah. you know, apprenticeships, things like that. Um, and it's, it's coming. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I agree. What you guys have created is, is so cool. I'm beyond like, it just, I told Sid, like, I just feel so fortunate that you guys are like at this arm's length of, of conversation and to watch it happen firsthand. And it's, it's been super awesome to see it. I was, you know, I knew you guys were going to hit the million, but I like was, was the, because you knew it was coming. Was it as like, or was it like, what was like, what's more celebrated, like actually hitting the million or at the point when you knew months prior, you were actually, you were going to hit a million. I would say probably months, yeah. like months prior. Cause when it happens, like it's nothing been actually built up. happened. Yeah. yeah. So it's to me, like Sid's more, way more celebratory than I am. Like, um, I grew up in that family. We, we didn't celebrate birthdays, barely Christmas or anything. So when like stuff like this happens, like I'm having to you really got to pull it out of me. I'm just like, okay, million, let's go on to the next one. Yeah. Uh, and then Sid's like, well, we got to celebrate. But then I kind of got overwhelmed because on YouTube, like it's, it's becoming crazy with like the Mr. Beast and everyone, like people hit a million, like let's give away a house. And so I was like, what are we going to do? And unfortunately we didn't do anything. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we wanted to, but it like, you know, we started planning it. We were like, what can we do it? At like 900,000, we were like, what can we do to celebrate a million when it hits? And then before we knew it, like none of us had ideas or um, like we never came up with anything. It, I mean, it happened so quick um, that we were like, let's just take a picture and not even like, because I, I start to overthink things too. Like if you're going to give away a hundred dollars, like, is that enough? Like, sure. Or do I give away a thousand or is that, is that too is that, little too? Yeah. Should I do even more? Is that too much? Like people going to question like, yep. 
why'd you give this to this person? Or like, I, I'm a, a terrible overthinker for sure. Um, it's probably one of my biggest like flaws for sure. But, um, yeah, the, the million is definitely crazy. Um, sit, I think we stayed up until well, Sid actually fell asleep and she was checking it all day and then she fell asleep. I randomly happened to wake up at like two thirty, and I saw it. It was at like 999900 and I was like, Sid, we're a hundred away. And like, we were both wide awake for like the next two or three hours just watching it. Well, I, I think that like the last hundred came in like probably 15 minutes actually. That's incredible. So, but when it happens, it's just like, I think we were both sleepers. Like, yeah, <laughs> great job. <laughs> Bad because back to nothing changes. Well, yeah, I think that's what, what's different about us too is it's like, um, okay, what's next? Yeah. Well, let's keep going. Don't end zone dance yet. That's not the end of that. Yeah. The, the million's not the, the end of the road for you guys. Yeah, I was already, I was already like, like, what is it to get to the diamond play button? 10 million? Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's go. Yeah. Let's keep going. Dustin, man, I uh, I appreciate you coming on. This is this is incredible. Um, I'll be uh, I'll be looking at Dustin's stuff. He's not very he's not too active on social, but you're uh, you know if you if the vlog gets kicked off, maybe uh, maybe we'll see some postings there. But dude, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, I appreciate it, dude. Me. Absolutely.